0: Cool. All right. So, how's your day going? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. So, um, I always start this out. Uh, Started this out like, how did you kind of get in real, get into real estate?
1: Um, it was actually by accident. Um, I was a contractor and I had met a local real group, a real estate investment group that had a pro. And she kind of took me under her wing and said, "I'll teach you this business if you discount your price." I'm like all right yeah. simple enough um so from there she started talking about this thing where you could buy these houses you didn't need a lot of money or you didn't need any money and immediately i was like oh my god here we go pyramid scheme bullshit. <laughs> like totally gonna, i'm trying to bait me for it right so yeah. she started explaining this thing called wholesaling which was just finding people that were in distress sale right um off market wasn't listed no realtors involved and then talking to them about what they solving the problem and then getting that under contract, selling And that's how you would make your money. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: it didn't take any credit. It took a little bit of money for marketing, um, a few systems and processes you had to put in place. But I think my first deal I made like five grand and I was like, oh, Holy wow. shit, this is real. Um,
0: so, so take me through that first deal. How did that, like, how'd you find the deal? How did you, she kind of probably helped you with the paperwork side and yeah. And then the back. So
1: end. I didn't know anything about the paperwork side of it. So everything was, she was, the of the, we buy ugly homes world. I don't know yeah. if you've heard of that or listeners have, but yeah, you
0: see them around here all the time.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. And they're pretty much national cause it's a, it's a franchise, right? It's a national franchise that yeah. they sell ownership in. So she had the paperwork already and what's helped me with it. Um, and basically what happened was, is I was just out, they call this thing called driving for dollars where you just go and drive neighborhoods. That you've already done the legwork, okay? you know what things are gonna sell for, you've got an idea of what worst case rehab is, and you've basically pre-vetted your numbers. So you're skip facing by actually pulling that in information and trying to find that seller's info, which is either a phone number or a mailing address, or you actually physically stop at somebody's property, knock on the door because it's all trashy looking, like tarps on the windows, yeah. overgrown grass, whatever. Um, and that's how it started. I was going door to door neighborhoods it just crappy houses and I'd knock on the door and that's where it started so
0: so how, how old were you at- when you did that
1: I'm 45 now so I started in 2010
0: oh, okay so you started like later in your career like hey I just gotta well, let's just figure yeah. it out
1: yeah I was just doing the contracting stuff and it just I just wouldn't like it because I can't Background. he was a contractor. Um it's just a rat race, right? Like you're yeah. constantly I tell people that you're basically babysitting 50 plus men. <laughs> right. <laughs> so and I didn't like the feeling of always just paycheck to paycheck, all the bullshit that I just didn't like it, right? I didn't like the feeling of yeah. constantly chasing your tail. Um and really how it started was me going to that real estate meeting was I was trying to jar up more business for my contracting company. Yeah. That was that was how it all started. So I, if you talk about my progression, I started as a bartender from my 20s and like had a great run, and enjoyed the hell out of it. But then when I got yeah. out, I was like, I don't have a skill, and it was really, you know, like you having to sell things at the bar to shots or beers or specials or whatever. Like I was a salesman, just didn't realize it. Um, so talking people, I'm naturally kind of extroverted, so from there I left that and went into the beer industry because somebody there that was bringing beer and was a rep. I was like, sure, I'll go work for him. So I worked for Budweiser for like six years. Um, Oh wow. Delivery route, you know, got better at sales, got better at, you know, that kind of stuff. And then got out of that, decided, all right, well now I'm going to, I guess, go start contracting company. So I started a landscaping company. Um, ended up getting a good amount of deals there as far as like customers, um, ran that for a few years and then ended up coming off of that and doing construction work. People were just like, Hey, can you help me with this? Like fence work, or, you know, little handyman stuff. And I was like, yeah. sure. I'm pretty handy. I can do that stuff. Turned into a, like a bigger operation construction wise. So I started doing bigger jobs and then, um, can't ran that for another five years. Um, and then that's kind of what ran me into them. And then that was okay. where I was like, okay, cool. That, so
0: who, who was the person that mentored you, by the way?
1: Her name was Patty Robertson.
0: Oh, I love her. So she does a lot of property management around here. She, I know she used to own the uh, franchise uh, We Buy Ugly Homes. Yeah. But did, did you end up buying that from her? No.
1: No. no so oh, yeah. I learned just the wholesaling side of it and understanding how to go find franchise um i think franchises are great but it's it's for those people who want to like set up and run and go i wanted to learn different i wanted to understand what they were doing in the deep dive yeah the kpis behind it like all that kind of stuff um so yeah that's and then my next mentor was an auction an auctioneer so i kind of stayed under his wing for like six months And I'm really good. Well, back then I was really good with just getting things done online. So he had hired me to go and look at all the properties that were like pre-foreclosure, right? Foreclosure list that comes out once a week, all the properties come on it. You had to take all that uh, information. He would old school. He cut it out of the paper, like tape it to a piece of paper. You had to write the comps down on it. Like it was super old school. Yeah. I mean, even at that time I was pretty decent in Excel and I was good at um, outsourcing, right? So I was, Uh, online. And I was doing this before we even got to where we are now. And I would train that virtual assistant, I'd record it, and then I'd share it with them. And then they'd go and repeat the same process. So what the work was, I would or each week, um, I would just delegate to them the night before, and they're on a 12 hour distance because they were in the Philippines. So their difference time, they would do all my work at night, and I'd wake up in the morning, it was ready for me. So it got me all my time back that I was going to have to do all that work. So that gave me more time to go do other things. Um,
0: so I'm glad you, glad you mentioned that. Um, so I know a lot of people that are trying to hire VAs and I, I feel like their hesitations is, is cause you see online, you see everyone gets scam, uh, scammed and how do you determine that VA is actually legit or just kind of like a, a scammer?
1: So I guess my people that are getting scammed is what is it they're getting scammed out of and obviously being the first piece of it. But yeah. what are the expectations for what that person's supposed to do? And did you, do you clearly, have something that you've already done and outlined it, meaning a clear defined SOP standard operating procedure. So that's a militant military thing, right? Like anybody in the yeah. military has a book, a standard operating procedure, they can follow step one through 10. And I don't care if you're smart or stupid. If you follow that step, you're going to get it done. Right. Mm-hmm. So the person that have that put together to give that person they're hiring to do that job. I would say if yeah. people are getting scammed, they probably don't. Um, the hiring side of it, uh, you're going to get so many auto responders in the beginning, right? So our, in the beginning for me, my clear one was, I want detailed work. Yep. Um, at the third paragraph, I want you to change it to this type of font right? Detail work. Um, if that didn't eliminate 50% of them, then the final one was, I want you to shoot me a 60 second video telling me why I should hire you. And all this did was just weed out bullshit. Right? So by the time I got through all of that, and you know, you get why 90% of them didn't do the first two things, much less the video. Um, because how are you finding it? Okay.
0: So, how are you finding these people? I know you obviously get probably emails like all kind of all of us do, but uh, do you just like source from there, or is there like a site that you found these people on? Or
1: we use two sites. We use Upwork as one, okay. and we use Fiverr.com as the other one.
0: Hmm. Okay, I've heard I've heard both of those. Okay, so how much how much is a VA usually range wise? Like Depending price-wise.
1: on what that VA is doing, our top ones paid like five sixty five um so five dollars an hour um six thousand um our lowest is paid four but their exchange rate for whatever their exchange rate type of what they call it be paying them five is almost like somebody in the u.s doing it for 20
0: okay so i got asked this question yesterday um because i said i was trying to hire a va and i was telling them the price i was gonna hire them at and they said oh isn't that illegal because it's like below the minimum wage what would be your say to that
1: I don't think it's, it's relevant at all because they're not here in the United States. They're working in another country. So,
0: oh, okay. What does that I have to do you. with us? Sense. Yeah. <laughs> not relevant. Yeah. I didn't really. I didn't really say anything to. Them. I was just like, okay, well, um, yeah. I guess so. You use them to kind of like automate your wholesale business.
1: Yes. So, okay. wholesaling meaning like what's the most mundane things you have to do to get inbound leads? Clean those lists up and then put them in two different to three different types of system, a mail system, yeah. a text service, and a call service. So a lot of deep minutiae to get done. And it's very yeah. time sucking. It's just not something I'm good at or I want to do. I had to do it in the beginning, but you outsource that 100%. And if you can't outsource mm-hmm. that to start with, just out the thing, the very small things that you're bad at. So my first hire was an assistant. My first mentor, or my second mentor, Patty was my first. Bill was my second. Was hiring an assistant. Will never be able to grow a business. Yeah. yeah 100% true. So when I hired her, um, it was a game changer. I came into it at like 20 hours a week. And I was like, all right, I'm just gonna take a swing at this and see what happens would
0: probably say in the first uh three months um so you're using to automate your process actually prefer i guess data wise so i've done uh sms before and what is your like return on something like that let's say if i send out like 100 to 200 sms i might get a certain amount of people response certain amount of people like i can offer and then maybe get one lead out of maybe yep so I'm not sure I'll
1: give you statistics because we track up with our numbers weekly. I'll give you our end of the year stats. As of last year, um, we were 22,000 and change, but like 22,300 texts to get a confirmed closed contract. Um, average yeah. profit was, uh, average fee was 18,000. Um, take that over to calls. It was 632 calls to a closed transaction, sign contract, closed transaction, same wholesale fee. Mail was 215 letters to a solid transit. I have to pull the KPIs on this again, but the uh, closed transaction, 18 profit.
0: Oh, wow. So yeah, I mean, I mean, that's a large, large volume um, volume, but you probably also like probably hit a specific uh, niche uh niche so So what software do you use to kind of run this because i know you use the vas but what's actual software do you use so we
1: have a bunch of different types of software we use um we use podio as our crm we use CallRail as our board
0: uh you were listening to different um sites you use you said the call center you probably use like a crm do you use like rei reply or
1: oh yeah yeah so i'll go back from the way i usually describe this Podio.com is our CRM. Our call system is call rail, call Um, our text messaging and dialer is our, and then, uh, two sources we use for, uh, comps and pulling information against the property would be batch leads and MLS.
0: Oh, wow. So that's a that's a lot of sites. Look, how much um like overhead do you have for all the different sites you have to use?
1: Uh, we run.
0: So you so you said you're twenty seven thousand a month overhead. Yes. For all those fees. Oh my goodness. So how much?
1: Let that, me let me be specific. When you are asking overhead, that includes salary. That's V A. Oh okay. That is total operating costs to support monthly and any other business that's like pretty damn low for
0: yeah you're pushing so if if your expenses are twenty seven thousand, how many how many touches are you getting to uh per month from all like touches like direct mail sms um uh calls how many how many touches or like how many different leads are you getting
1: yeah so we will get three leads a day that are three, right? Which gets us down to what's that? Three, I forgot the math on this. Three on six days. So that's 18 leads on four oh, yeah. weeks at 72 leads a month. So, okay. and I think we were saying that we had five average five times five was 90 grand in gross income. So $90,000 a month. So 90 K. Times 12 months is 1.1 ish. Um, This year we were trying to shoot for Um, 1.5. Wow. I mean, that breaks down. It's definitely a
0: good return on investment though.
1: Of course. So 1.5 divided by 12 months, it's 125,000 a month. And we're what, 80 ish right now? 80 divided by 125. That's a 64% increase that we're trying to hit. Oh, wow. Screw it. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Let's like shoot on. So So
0: even – so you said you're hitting three pillars. What are those three pillars that you're aiming to hit?
1: um, The people selling need to timeline, condition, and price. Um, Obviously, timeline being when they want to sell by, Um, meaning like is it in the next – I don't care really the condition, just that there is one, meaning like I'm not looking for retail stuff. Yeah looking for everything's brand new and fixed up and ready, right unless it's creative financing we take over the mortgage that would make sense Um, price price obviously matters depending on if it's cash today if it's creative or if I'm gonna give it to you over time in terms so as long as two of those pillars are met if only one is hit they go into a two-week follow-up
0: I got you so let me ask you um from like when you're pulling um pulling lists let's say like i think i, I pull off prop stream say i pull off prop stream what are you looking for like in your search criteria where you send it all out are you looking for like, like vacant, vacant. Um, non-owner occupants like what are, what are you actually looking for when you make uh, construct your list
1: four that we go after is probate night tax and divorce those are our
0: four So you just pile your list on all four of those and you just mass them out after that. So
1: we stack those lists and allow the 1% to rise to the top. Meaning if that same address pops on all four lists, it's going to go to the top, right? That means like they hit all four problems. It's not that common. You hit that, but you at least get out of four. If I get three of those, that's more motivation than just trying to bang out in possible leads from a list that meets 50% equity ownership, and yeah. last mortgage was pulled in five years. Right. Uh, so, ours a little bit different than most people. Um, the list stacking has become way more important to us and making things rise to the top instead of going after, uh, most people go wide. <laughs> we want to go deep. I want to go yeah. deep. I mean, Probably five. Huh.
0: Okay, so, so you mentioned something that I like. it's probably the most uh, interesting topic that uh, everyone that's got kind of got going around right now is you said taking over uh, existing mortgages. Yep. What? What? You, How do you learn that? And what is that exactly for people that maybe are listening and have no idea what that is?
1: So it's called do the existing mortgage, and what that means is is that you can literally step into place by taking the deed out of that person's name, but the mortgage stays in their name. And everybody always asks me like, who the hell would do that? Because then they're liable, but yet they're And what's funny to actually say is, is there's more people now in today's space and time than there was, I don't know, maybe even three years ago. So all the mortgages that are pulled, think about if you can payment, I'll just go for quick numbers hundred thousand yeah. dollars owed on the mortgage and it's a five percent interest rate or let's just go with it was for the past three five years three percent right and I'm just gonna throw a quick number in and say like their monthly payments five hundred bucks well I can go in yeah. payments behind let's say that's five grand and I can give them five grand as well so I'll pay the closing cost I'll give them money and then I'll catch them up out of the rear so now that mortgage is current. I just leave that existing mortgage in place and then they move out, they get their money, and then I make monthly payments directly to the bank. I'm going to take that okay. same property. I'm either going to turn and rent it out. I'm going to do what's called a lease option/slash rent to own. Use it like a bridge loan and go in and say, I might have to put 30, 40 grand into it, but I didn't need to get private money or a hard money loan for the 100 grand because I'm using the bank's loan. Right. Oh, wow. So our entire portfolio is owned. About this was actually through Patty.
0: Yeah,
1: she, she owned a lot of these properties this way, and I was like, "How? Like, who in the hell give you their mortgage and let you pay it, and the possibility of you screwing up?" So yeah. the response that was that. So it's so simple, but yet yeah, pretty damn funny. If you don't do this, what happens to them? They, they, they lose, lose their property. They get foreclosed on, wreck their credit, and they get no money at all. So yeah. what's so is, is to go this route and save all that from happening because what do you think it's going to be like to try to get a rental property run your credit, and they see there's a foreclosure on it. So the delivery to that person or the seller is actually beneficial. It's beneficial for you. You're helping both parties out. So yeah, me and my wife own, I think we're at, Nine right now. I just sold one off. Um, but we own them all sub finance. Owner either took the paper back or we just took over somebody's mortgage.
0: So what's the risk to the uh the seller when you do that? The
1: risk to them is that you stop paying. Um if you stop oh, the risk, okay right back to their situation like it was before. The rebuttal I give to anybody that asks that question from a seller standpoint as well as a learning standpoint is is Why would you go and invest, let's just say $10,000 money into a property that you didn't have to get the first mortgage for, and you're now in a higher equity position play, right? Because let's say you hold on to it for a year, two or three, one, you've gotten past the short-term capital gains, you're in long-term capital gains, and you have an asset that has more equity. That equity is at no... Why would you walk away from five or 10 grand to not do what you said you were going to do? I just don't understand beneficial to the seller that you took over their mortgage because you probably put money into it and got it in a better position and a better place. So yeah, now you're yeah. going to give that back to them. So you're going to lose money and they're going to get a house back in better condition than you took it.
0: Yeah. So you're saying that salary. if you stop paying, they can take basically take the house completely back.
1: Correct. In our paperwork, it says that they have 1st right write-over. we are not able to pay their payments and we are be considered default, then they have the right for us to do what's called deed-in-lieu, which is deed the property back to them at no cost to them just like we did in the beginning for us. So it was no cost to them, and we paid for all that paperwork. Same thing would be like, okay, if we default on what we said we were going to do for you, the paperwork ahead of time says that this is what we have to do in order to give it back to you. So we can't charge okay. you for that, right? We just have to give it back to you. Well, why would you want to give someone a house back that you put 10 grand into it? Let's say you rode the ride for three, got another maybe five, 15 grand in equity, hmm. right? Like you, it doesn't make sense to actually more beneficial if I default to you as the person that I took it over from than it is for me, Yeah. right? They're like, yeah, go ahead, screw up. Give it back to me in better condition, I'll be pumped.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let me ask you, so how's, how do you go about doing that? So I know a lot of people know they hear sub two, they see Pace on the internet. So they know what sub two is. So how do you actually go about taking over the property? Like what's the paperwork involved? Do you just do like, like do you just put um, subject to existing mortgage and like a tenancy or how how would you go? It's
1: specific paperwork, just like Pace talks about. He's got his type of documentation that might work for different states. We have the paperwork that works here for Virginia. Um, Okay. It's very defined in what the existing mortgage is that's owed today. What the monthly PITI principal interest taxes and insurance is the uh, account number on the property paperwork that says that you now have the same rights and permission as the owner that you're getting over to the bank that they sign and give you that right. So I don't need to have the person involved anymore. Um, What else? It's the same type of for any other club. Attorney. I think people don't realize that this isn't like um a backdoor table kitchen closing. Like this is it actually says on the HUD there's a line. The bank sees it and signs off on it that says this property is being taken subject to subject to the existing mortgage. So it's not as secret, it's right out in the open and publicized, like it's right there. So it's not sneaky. people are like, You're doing this about it. I can't do that. I'm not yeah. number one I put myself in that position, but the attorney that's doing the close jeopardy for doing <laughs> legal things.
0: So Yeah. So a lot of people say like, um, like when you take over an existing mortgage, basically the bank's just gonna call the loan. So how how does the why would the bank not do that? And have you ever had that happen?
1: So I'll answer the first question, which is why why would the bank call the note and understanding and how it works is really important. Um, and two, what was the second I forgot the second one? I, I had it and I lost it.
0: It's like yeah, has have you ever had like a due on sale clause? Like you got this project uh property subject to and then like the bank found like found out and called the loan?
1: Yep. So yes, there is the ability because it's on the original deed of trust you took over, it says the bank has the right to call the loan due. The issue that most people don't recognize The bank is in the business of lending money, not owning houses. That just happens to be a a byproduct of what they're doing. They lend money against a house, which is the asset. In the banking system, if you have a defaulted piece of paper, you can't lend any more of that money out from the fractional lending standpoint. Okay. So, why would a bank take a performing note, which allows them to keep lending money, and call it due to where it's now not? Because if you make it non performing, it's got to come and actually come in so they can lend it back out. So, yeah. banks don't want to call notes due only because of where we're at as far as I'm not getting into politics, but fractional reserve lending, right? And what money is actually worth in the papers today, which is next to nothing. It's lost its value down to what a dollar was is now 92 cents versus a dollar, right? So, it's lost that. It's, it's, buying power and again the bank why does the bank want to call something that's performing on their books due when they need they need performing notes right so they can sell those notes off to other investors so the idea that the note is going to do its percentage is very low um i yeah i and i wouldn't even be scared if they did they'd be like all right call it due. worst case is you got to pay it up you go and put a private is you took over a note that was at a really low rate at a low interest rate and the numbers made sense anyway i wouldn't really care
0: so you're buying these houses subject to but they would still make sense even if they called them so what if you bought like someone was maybe like on the higher end had a really low rate like a two percent like they were but so- if, you, if they if they called it then you're paying like probably like six seven percent and it may not be a good deal after that
1: well, that goes, correct. That goes back to what you're underwriting and buying the deal to begin with. Did you underwrite yeah. it correctly, saying that if I did have to come do with this note, it still makes sense, and you would take it down, right? Knowing okay. that the exit strategy would say, yeah, I got a higher rate, but it still makes sense because of its location, maybe its equity position. If you put a little money into it and you put it back on the market, not full blown, but we call whole tail instead of. Retail yeah. is just in between wholesale and retail. So lift it and put it back on the market, rid of it, and get it off your books. So that's all part of the underwriting in the beginning. If you don't know how to underwrite, why you're taking this sub to with the possibility of it do, you shouldn't do it. That's yeah, all part of the yeah, beginning, knowing numbers.
0: So let's say, okay, same thing you you normally do when you buy a house. You're putting an existing mortgage, boom, you get the house. You're probably putting it – are you putting it in an LLC? Because I've known some people that say they put it like in a land trust too. Why would you use one and not the other?
1: So it just depends on what you're trying to do. Like I would say from a lending capacity to the future protection of the asset. If this is something you want to hold long-term versus short-term, Short term, I'd go an LLC. Long term, I would go a trust or something that's because a trust is not public information, right? Yeah. It's not developed by any governing body, right? It's developed by you and it's developed by an attorney and it sits in a file cabinet. There's no annual filing to it. There's no dues to it. There's none of that. It's it puts together. It sits and that's it. So whatever happens in the background between you and the attorney that filed that paperwork versus an LLC. Um, is constantly being scrutinized, right? Like you've got to change, if you change your registered agent versus your principal office, that's got to be updated. This is all for legal purposes, right? So to me, it's it's depending on where you're going with the future of the asset. If I'm short-term, I'm going to LLC it. I might open up an LLC and do one or three flips in it, and then I'll shut it down and open up another one. Right? it's so cheap to do that and at the end of the year for bookkeeping it's not worth the headache to not do that yeah. it's also asset protection you got to look at this as though um, from a multi-million dollar level versus a few hundred thousand dollar level so if somebody sues that LLC how many assets are in it right and what's what's up for grabs is what most people say yeah. right like, I'm coming after your LLC for what because it owns all of this stuff and that's what I'm trying to grab but if I do that and it only owns one LLC and yeah. I know that problems are coming. You can, I mean, this is literally what attorneys say to do. Like, it's the paper game. I'll bankrupt it. I'll sell all the assets off to somebody else. And then that's a new LLC. you got to go do everything it takes to get the whole information on that one. So it's a shell game. I got you. Right. Yeah. And it's like every attorney that ever talks about um, litigation and what they do to like scrutinize LLCs. That's what their job is. That's what they, there's specific law for just that, to go after people that don't, follow the rules inside of their LLC. And then mm-hmm. those attorneys go after them.
0: So short game, LLC, and then long game is a uh, like a trust or a land trust. The um, reason that I've heard that people use that is because the banks can't see who actually owns the property. Like they put it in the land trust and then they put the beneficiary as the LLC. Is that kind of what how it all works? That's a way of doing
1: it. That's a way of doing it. I guess my question would be is what, when you say the banks, can see it what is that what is that statement for
0: um i think that I th- this is just my me talking to a couple people i think it's the reason they don't want uh the banks to call the loan so it's just like an, an extra step to because they're probably renting it out cash for cash flow because they got that two percent rate they could probably cash flow way higher if so it's uh, you're strictly saying the, the main
1: reason is for not calling the note do yeah yeah, so I, again, I wouldn't care about that. I would more care about the tax implementation that would happen than I would about the note being called due. Um, it's easier to file things under an LLC and write everything down as a tax write off and not have to pay income tax or capital gains tax because you ran it like a business, like you're supposed to, and yeah. you wrote everything down, right? versus you're saying that it's more so for asset protection which is a a long-term play yeah right so i'm not i would be more concerned with the tax implementation more than i am about them calling note due.
0: so let's say they use the um that land trust for like cash for cash flow uh or actually in general um let's say they do subject to i've heard one of the reasons banks calls a calls the note due is because they don't get their own insurance on the property? Because let's say the seller takes their name off the uh, insurance and they don't feel like they have to pay the insurance. They take the insurance off and the person forgets to call uh, their own insurance.
1: So one, that would be a default of contract because it says in the contract that the existing insurance has to stay in place, whether that's insurance on the property or mortgage insurance. Right? So on the other side of that is you can't claim under that insurance anyway, because it's under always have a separate policy on the property or else you have no claim right to it right so if the property burns down and there's an insurance policy the first person is going to cover is the first loan position person right that's no matter what what kind of loan you get it's going to cover the bank first right they're going to cover their ass yeah yeah following that is what's left for you as the person that possibly had equity into it which is the person that's on the mortgage right it has nothing to do about when they transferred it out cuz remember the deed is what transfers not the mortgage so you have to already have a separate on that property for either your LLC or your trust or whoever it is that person holding the deed otherwise you have no claim to it you have no way of getting any money
0: so, so i guess so another I got- one, one question would be if when you were just starting out doing this what was kind of your fears and things you didn't, didn't 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 know what you wish you would have known when you first started
1: oh my god if i had taken the time to get way better at underwriting understanding comps correctly and doing them right which i did that way late i went and finally went to like local appraisers and asked them how they did it and then followed their uh math right yeah um, and then just talking and understanding psychological behind sales talk, understanding the human psyche, understanding how people think. Um, you are not selling or buying a house, it's just a byproduct of what you're solving as a problem. Yeah. So I would, I would have gotten way better at understanding that than before when you're younger, you're just like, your house needs this and shit down for that. And this ain't going to happen. And you're an idiot or like like that kind of talk, right? Not like that direct, but I was so focused on me and the company and its numbers and doing versus trying to solve the problem of the person I was trying to work with, or we as a company we're working with. Our switch on that was as soon as we got, um, I went to a uh, meeting to Learn how to run a business and not just play with it, right? Yeah. Not, not run a job, like run a business <laughs> a hobby. Yeah. Um, that was the book Traction. Oh, I love and that it, book. That kind of got us on the path of like understanding where to go is running the business, right? Um, the meetings, the huddles, the level tens, the the rocks, like all the stuff, right? Like all the stuff. Yeah. There's, there's the traction thumpers out there, and then there's another one. But so <laughs> that was my go-to on that same meeting we met a guy um, that had talked about tactics and skills and how you do things and talk. And the one thing that kept coming up was Chris Voss was the author and the book was never split the difference. So this guy was, have you heard of this before?
0: Yeah. He's like an ex FBI interrogator or something like that.
1: Yeah. So he was a hostage negotiate negotiator for the FBI for like 25 years. And all of the tactics that he was using to save lives is the same. It's the same psychological breakdown that the brain uses no matter what it is and whether it's sales or whether it's saving human lives, right? So understanding how to do things and say things and um, uh, they're called mirrors, uh, framing, labeling, there's these type of things, right? So when you're talking to sellers, uh, if you just repeat the last and you do it in a question tone, right? It'd be mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm moving to Florida. So it sounds like you're moving to Florida. And just that little bit almost allows that person to psychologically think like, oh, that was a question. I need to answer more. And I didn't really ask a question. Yeah. last two words. And it, it allows the brain start to start opening up the door and start talking, right? Um, little cues, smiling. Um, making people laugh, you know, you get the think about yeah, versus the hard say I mean, on the phone is like, Hey, man, call me. I want a number. If you can't give me a number, just get off the phone. And you're like, Awesome. <laughs> um, seven, you're <laughs> like, What seven? You're like, Give you a number. I like, I think the number seven sounds really good right now. And they start laughing, yeah. and they're like, What are you talking about? You missing some zeros? You're like, Well, I mean, you said give you a number. You didn't say what the number was. You just said to give you one. So if we're not on camera now seeing this, but you're on the phone, you can hear somebody laugh. You can probably tell they're smiling because they're cracking jokes, right? That is a neurological thing that the brain changes its prospecting of like, I'm not angry at this person anymore. I'm laughing because I'm having fun. So that lowers the guard of when like investor and home seller and you're taking advantage of me and like all this kind of stuff. So once we changed that and got our acquisitions guys to go through that training, it changed our closing ratio. Um, It changed our contact to contract ratio. Just a game changer. I would suggest anybody that's trying to do this, take the time to get better at your sales talk, get better at listening. You got two of these, one of these for a reason, right? (laughs) Like shut up and listen and take notes because those are what's going to get you the sale. And at any point, this is always another one, that person that's working with you has to trust, like, and believe you in or the company you work with. Everything else is irrelevant. Price usually yeah. goes out the window, right? So we've made offers 30, 40 grand under what other people are offering. And they were like, we just didn't like the way they sounded. We didn't, we didn't think they were genuine. We thought they were full of shit. We felt like they were going to drag us in the mud. And there's yeah. little things that help. So I would suggest really understanding how to run a business and then understanding how to talk to people from a sales perspective. Yeah. That would have been a game changer years ago for us. <laughs> so. Yeah.
0: So I read two kinds of books. I I usually read business books and like psychological books. I love the psychology books because of that. And I think I read the book. It was called, I think it was Flip the Script. Um, and it talks that. about, uh, well, I, th- I, have to, I think I'm pretty sure it's Flip the Script. But yeah. it's basically, it talks about how people um so basically how we talk to people is not how people receive everything so right. how people receive thing is like at a very like almost like fight or flight at the very beginning and you gotta like continue to break down their walls and how to how to get to uh, people because it's like if let's say like i answer a phone call right now if, uh and i don't know who it is my first thing is either like i'm just gonna get mad or i'm just gonna instantly hang up so it's like how do you break past that that break past that okay. and i think that's what the like the psychological aspect of that is like, I think it's really cool to learn. And um, what I think the best book I've ever read on that was like how to win friends and influence people is like thinking from the other person's perspective rather than your own. And that like, even because me as a real estate agent, I've like transformed everything. It's like, Hey, like, stop I think about myself, how do I help this person help this person solve? Cause I think the, uh, the book, how to win friends, and influence people said people are naturally selfish. So if I show you a photo of like 20 people the first person you're going to see is yourself is totally. like you can't help that it's natural so it's like hey how do i make this benefit this person yeah so i think that's very good you said that and i fully believe that
1: totally agree everybody wants to care about themselves and talk about themselves it's, it's, that's all they care about right let them rock with it so- take the note. <laughs>
0: So when you cold call or you send, uh, send SMS, you probably get a lot of hate because I get a lot of hate and I know you send out a lot. So how do you break past that, that the barrier of like scammer, scammer, scammer? Like how do you get past that? Because that's a hard barrier to break.
1: Yeah. So this delivery has been one that we've used for years. It does great. Um, ring, ring. Hello. Hey, I'm sorry probably have the wrong number here uh my name is sean i was trying to find the owner of 123 main street are you familiar with that yeah that's my mom's house okay your your mom's house again question tone inflection, right um yeah my mom's house uh recently just inherited she passed away oh my god i'm so sorry i didn't realize this was a thing what do you want uh again i'm sorry my name is sean i didn't catch your name my name is chris okay chris uh local guy trying to buy some houses, fix them up and sell them, put them back on the market and maybe hold some. Does that even sound like something that might fit you? And what that opening line does is it tells people right out of the gate who we are, what we do and what we're looking for, right? So we're giving all of our qualifications in a questionnaire form that is asking for help from them. You're giving the bottom
0: line up front. Just right up front,
1: but I'm always asking for permission, I'm always asking for help. Right? Um, are you familiar with the home? Yes. Um, do, does it even sound like something that might fit you? I'm giving you the ability to say no, right? Yeah, um, I'm always asking permission, and if you approach that way and that all the time, the amount of pushback becomes completely mm-hmm. the other one. I tell well, we teach is that we use and we teach. Is that we never ask, and I mean ever. I don't care how many bed, bath, and square footage the house is. I can look all that shit up later. I do not need to ask the seller that question. Not in the first, second, or third connection point we have with them. I don't care if it's phone, email, or text. None of that question gets asked until we've had three touches about anything about to do with the property or them. <laughs> never, ever do I care. Because you can look all that up. Why do yeah. you need- what year was the home bill? Who the fuck knows that sh- <laughs> Nobody. Like, how many bed, bath, and square footage? You sound like every single person that's always calling, asking the same shit. So yeah. if that one little piece sets us off different from everybody else, that'll make us stand out. Mm-hmm. So I think that opening line has been one of our, our massive game changers to no matter defensive, no matter what it is, it's, you can't really be defensive to the question because it's always asking for help.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you, are you the one actually doing that? You said you use REI uh, call center. Is it like a voice recording or is it like some uh, VA sell, um, doing your script to call or? So
1: yes, is the answer to, we don't do uh, the drop VM or whatever that recorded thing is, because we found out it was just too testy and and illegal. Um, I think, text message is about to start to get there because we're starting to get a lot of pushback. There's codes kicked out and saying like, you didn't meet the right criteria or had too many opt outs. Like,
0: like starting keywords to keywords like,
1: that text get message going to be a problem. Right. Um,
0: so I don't know, man. Um, so let me ask you for like the text message aspect of it. Yeah. So I've sent out a bunch of them and I get every once in a while, I was like, Hey, this is illegal. I'm going to see you. <laughs> What? Sure. <laughs> how do you how do you because don't you have to on the bottom don't you have to give people an opt out like say hey text stop to stop this or whatever. well
1: if it's coming from a system then yes you have to have that ability if it's one-to-one meaning like you're not on a type of set line dialer automatic something then you probably are going to run into a person-to-person issue the other thing is is that you're not selling you're buying. Yeah. There's a gray area there. People being like, well, you are selling because you're selling your services to buy their home. I'm like, okay. I think you're squeezing the line on that one. <laughs> yeah. Let me go back and answer the question for a second. Ours is VAs doing the cold calling. There's an automatic from an AI type scenario on REI reply. We've built out a flow process based on keyword responses will automatically respond back. So I know everybody's in the GPT AI chat game right now, but like we had started this a few <laughs> years ago where we had already built that out as a flow process because we had taken all of the responses and then condensed it down and gotten like the top 41 to 43 words of responses we got, right? So mm-hmm. even when someone come back, they don't make sense because it doesn't, it's what he wants. I think nowadays you can probably change that with the new AI stuff, but oh yeah. So VAs will take care of the cold calling. Um, text messages will be the VAs creating it in the system and then the AI automatic as just as far as like the auto replies. But back to is it illegal? I'm not I don't care if it's like let me let me say that I very am gonna preference it very carefully. Six hundred in system And we're beating them all the time, and we're constantly seeing people say it's illegal, you can't do it, I'm going to sue you. Actually, we actually know two people in Hampton Roads that made a complete business model out of this, right? He business model is he will retain your number, he will retain the text message. I mean, he's got a full automated system how to do all this. He will sue you, he'll write the paperwork, he'll get place. It's small claims court, so it's under five grand. Typically, you gotta hire an attorney. he'll sell out of court for three. So he'll make three thousand dollars, he'll hit probably fifteen people with that, of which some people will fight it. He'll probably make, I don't know, ten grand a month just off of that system. He's a piece of okay. shit. Totally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so he basically he's so these people that send out this text message. He goes about, tries to sue them. And he makes three thousand dollars per uh, per. Individual. He says I'll
1: sue you for five because it's under it's in small claims court, right? It's under the yeah. five. It's right at the five. So you go to small claims court, and fight that lawsuit. Costs about two grand. So we'll yeah. just settle out of court instead of the two. that goes to take the fight and then have to pay the three and get to the five. So, so pay like three grand.
0: Just go away. Have so you had to pay him the three grand? No. So I, out, of,
1: out of principle i would fight him
0: because
1: yeah. <laughs> i i just don't i'm petty like, I like that.
0: that
1: yeah I, I just don't and i would probably get some more people because we all in that world and that when in the marketing we've all been like this guy ever bangs on your door you want everybody want to go in on him You're like hell yeah let's go <laughs>
0: so you that's, the, that's hilarious but that's, that's super messed up though it is that's his whole business model is just yeah,
1: uh, a piece of shit it's a business model you make money doing it Attorneys going after people that go to the hospital or ambulance chasers or do probate, and you're you're a piece of shit for doing it. I'm like, yeah, you think what you want to think. I get it. And everybody's going to have their thought on certain things. I don't feel like probate's bad. We're actually helping people solve problems. Are we capitalized off it because we're pulling information direct from the courthouse? Sure. People might call us and tell us we're a piece of shit for that. We actually have most people ask, how'd you get our information? We don't tell them that we went directly to the courthouse, we tell them it's a third party. Because we are paying somebody a third to get the information for us, so
0: oh, okay. I'm not we're not
1: lying about it. Cash out how we did it, because then you're just looking to get over a hurdle of how'd you get my information. You didn't realize it was public information, and it sucked, right? So yeah. again, we're trying to help solve problems.
0: So you tell them it's a third a third party, because it's really easy to find everyone's information out there. People, that it's super easy.
1: But trying to have that talk with somebody that's in a very fragile state from losing a loved one is not the conversation to have at the moment. When some yeah. my information and your next five-minute talk is about how it's all legal and blah blah blah. Versus, yeah. it's, it's just a third yeah, party. Yeah. We pay them and they give us this information. I I'm Sorry that it happens to be this way, but does this even sound like something we can work with you? Right back to the questionnaire, right? Like yeah. asking for help.
0: Because again, it's, it's like just- you're, you're framing. <laughs>
1: Totally. It's just an objection you got to get past. That's all it is. And if you huh. can't get it past the the small block roadblocks that are going to pop up, you'll people in this industry that are trying to do it, you'll never get to it. And if you're taking mm. any of this personal, you need to highly reevaluate the the business you're about to get into. It's not personal. Yeah. So many people yeah. just lit up after being told no or somebody sent a text message and like it's like the fourth grade rule of like sticks and stones break my bones, you know, words will never hurt me. Dude, i told you you're a piece of shit like so what now
0: <laughs> so what's the worst one that's that got, uh that someone said to you has anyone like came close like wow that's how, that that hurt
1: i think the worst one that got me was and i didn't we didn't realize it until i went back and listened to the recording and this is funny because either people doing this will poke me with it or i've had my team poke me with it every now and then when they feel like they can you know get under my skin it was uh, about three years, four years ago. It was during one of those major hurricanes we had here. Me and my wife are out and the team was off. The team, like, some of those calls will forward to myself, right? Yeah. So, like, somebody calls will have it because other people weren't available. I don't really do that that much anymore. So, this call came in of this lady and she was super nice and like everything was going good and there's no big problem. And I don't know what happened, but there was a turn in the conversation where she said, Shawnee boy. And I don't know why but man i'm telling you tyler like i went from nice and everything's good to i'm gonna fucking rip this lady's head off and i don't know why like you probably
0: you probably didn't do jujitsu that day so you're feeling the urge
1: (laughs) (laughs) i don't know man but it was like well let me tell you what shawnee boy it was just like (laughs) all right what (laughs) it's just all downhill from there Um, that's funny that on over the phone the worst scariest one that ever happened to me was i went into a house um i think i would like to say i'm pretty well trained with weapons much our training that i do but like weapons based right um i do keep a gun on me if i go into a house if i'm feeling like it's a bad spot otherwise i don't just for that other piece i don't want to get taken off me and used on me. Um, but i happen to be in a house going into a spot which i knew was really sketchy uh, walking in the home, just being like, Hey, anybody here? No answers, no nothing. Like walking through the doors and sure as shit, man. Uh, he had to be hopped up on something because he came out of the closet. Like I came around the corner in the bedroom. He came out of the closet, went to tackle me. And like, everything was just immediately fight off, fight off. And like, it was crazy. It was the scariest moment I've had in like Jeez. a long time, long time. So did you take over
0: me. this property and you were just walking, walked in there? And was it like a tenant, or
1: no, it was a squatter. It was a squatter oh, a squad, he, okay. he had gotten in the property. Um, come to find out later on, like people had knew he was there. He was using drugs, whatever. There was needles all over the place, it either heroin or something like that. Um, but I mean, the amount of strength coming out of the size of this human being I've never felt anything like it. Like, he was maybe less than one hundred and fifty pounds, but like felt like two hundred was running me over um yeah it was massive man like small little dude and was just moving and everything even with training i was still like what the fuck is going on? like just moving um yeah scared the shit out of me you know what i mean and i'm used to being attacked and I'm, Like get the gym doesn't bother you. you get big bitches coming after you like whatever Are you like ready for it yeah. um probably one of the scariest moments i ever had and it's just like god damn now when you walk in houses it's it's another so thing. I know. Well,
0: So I know a lot of cops, and they've said, like, with, like, uh, suspects that are, like, drugged up, it's like they have, like, a whole new level of strength. It's like, he said, I don't know if their adrenaline's hitting or something, but they like, (laughs) he said, uh, I can't remember. It was, like, uh, years ago. I don't even think it was in uh, Virginia or somewhere else. I just met someone. He said that they had to tase this person that was on drugs, like, multiple times (laughs) to bring him down because he was, like, wired. They don't know what he was on. He's on yeah, the we had, zombie yeah, apocalypse stuff we've had some guys that uh trained with
1: us over the years that are fbi local police whatever um the weirdest one he said he ever had was he had a guy's arm chicken wing behind him heard his shoulder snap and homeboy still rolled out of it like nothing was wrong and his arm was just like <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's crazy
1: like you gotta be on something to not feel that you know yeah he said he was just, it was crazy to see because I mean, I can barely get my shoulder behind me and up just because I have tight shoulders. But <laughs> he said yeah. he heard the crack of the shoulder and the arm moved up the back and he let go and was trying to hold him down. And like the guy just turned, and, like his arms played around, and like Jesus. ran off. He's like, what is going on?
0: So, so, so bring me back to that scenario that you just talked about because I know like a lot of people like their investors and they're probably they're not they don't have your training or your skill set. So walking through that door, did you feel like there was like something something off going through this like door? Was it like a, was it was it more in Portsmouth? <laughs> no,
1: um this was actually Norfolk when it happened. Um I think I we I we actually talk about this from we do a property walkthrough where we train people. They come through once a month um they, they walk through a house with us for two hours. We teach them how to estimate rehab um, how to walk through a home to understand where to look for things. And the other big thing we talk about is like entering a house from a safety standpoint, as well as exiting a house from a safety standpoint, like um, walking into a home. If somebody's there asking questions is, is anybody else in the house with you there any weapons, animals out and about that I need to know about? Um, being very front and forward about asking these questions. Right. Yeah. I've walked into houses before where there's a, 45 sitting on the table with a mag in it and a mag on the table i've walked in where a full automatic is sitting in the corner and there's a clip on the table
0: I so what do you in, do in that scenario just like hey i lost my car like
1: <laughs> i tell them hey uh i asked if there was any weapons here. i'm just not comfortable so i'd rather talk with you outside from here on out um yeah. so we talk to people about that and we teach that uh especially from a woman all right oh,
0: yeah.
1: um letting people know and even a man doesn't mean just because you're a guy doesn't mean you can't get it's a It's a 35 second thing for you to walk through a door, somebody to close the door, put a bag on you, zip tie you, and throw you in a closet. It's 35 seconds, right? Like that's something that people need to take very serious. Right? So did you text somebody and let them know that you were going into this home from a woman's perspective? um, Do you have somebody with you? Do you have somebody that knows where you're at? Are you on a live phone call when you go in? Is your phone on while you're walking around? Like they can hear things something to be of protection so we talk about that but teaching people is really important i think people need to understand that you walking into a home is about as safe as you walking into a cave that you've never been in before and it's completely dark i don't care if it's dark i don't care if it's light like you're walking into a space that you have no knowledge of so you don't know what could happen and most people don't really mean bad but there's also a lot of fucked up weird people out there oh yeah and I don't think people understand how bad it really gets until it's too late, or they've seen abductions or videos of people getting grabbed, and they don't—they just don't realize how bad things can get until it's too late. So I think having that awareness is really important.
0: So what would be your piece of advice for them? Like, if they, before they walk into a house, like, would you say, "Hey, like, call, let someone know you're here," like? I mean, yeah, so I say if you if ever enter a
1: home, for anybody that's listening to this, um, if you're ever in a home and you know it's empty, uh, walking the home is walking the exterior of it first, looking in all the windows, looking to see if anything is open, looking to see anything just looks off, right? It lets you look at the outside of the house and get your awareness of what's going on around it. If that feels comfortable and you're going to walk into the home, I open the door, leave the door open, and very loudly say, hey, uh, I'm here looking at the home. Thinking about buying anybody in here, and then give it a second, anything happens. Um, maybe that person, there is somebody there and they scurry out the back door, right? Because they're scared. Or now nothing's happening and you're okay, you feel comfortable to walk inside. Hey, again, you know, just repeat that time and time again while you're walking through the house. Um, it's constantly, one, letting yourself be noticed and aware, um, as well as you should be comfortable because you're you're speaking loud, right? people get these jitters because they're not talking and they're like walking around the corner doing this and like <laughs> and like yeah um i don't we don't ever really go look at homes past sunset there is no reason to right if you're saying yeah. it's a time thing and you can't get there think about the what could happen just because it's dark right always go look at homes during the day if you can like no matter what doesn't mean nothing great is gonna come out of that somebody still nab you and throw you in the corner but yeah um being during the day, right? So then walking through the home and constantly saying that. Um, as well as if you're brand new at this, like run your phone with a video um and let that video run. Uh, because if something does happen and what if somebody does nab you and your phone hits the floor, there's another example of like you took you text somebody and told them you're gonna be there, maybe they come and you got grabbed, but your phone's still there. If it's able to get into then hopefully you can see that video and you can hear something or like something like that. Um, yeah. Huh. just be aware, right? People are so unaware of their space. Um, they're too busy on this or they're too busy, like talking to somebody. And we talk about this from uh, a woman's defense class that we run uh, and we teach, which is when you're walking from building to a car, being aware, right? Your head's yeah. on a swivel. You're never on your phone. Um, when you open your car, you're looking through the car. You're looking in the back of it. You're looking obviously where you're going um sometimes before you even get in the car you do a complete 360 walk around it make sure you're not seeing anything open or people hiding like weird shit like there's a bag yeah. next to your car that looks weird don't get in your car right? there's just all these little things um so yes i
0: saw on the internet like 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 people who like kidnap people they had like uh like zip ties around their um their uh their door and that was supposed to be a, sig- a signal to like people to come take them like so there's it's definitely a real thing and definitely people yeah, need to be aware, be aware. i mean so,
1: human trafficking is not just kids it's yeah a lot of different things right so i think people that are new need to have that awareness um one of our local guys uh brett thompson actually does a cu- class for women that teaches self-defense and it's geared towards realtors it's really cool um I'm actually thinking about trying to start one myself, but just from like an invested standpoint of how do you walk in a home? And if you do get caught, what reactionary things can you do that you don't have to train every day to do this, but you know, just a crashing cover or like your hands come up and then you can push yourself back and like kick and like just get out of a situation. Um, Or if somebody nabs you from behind, like, what do you do? Like these really tiny things that we take for granted as a martial artist that we do all the time. And other people, yeah. it's probably something small to help them. But yeah, anybody that's getting in this business, anytime you go into a home, realize that that is not your space. That is not your comfort spot. You do not know your surroundings, and you do not know what could possibly happen. Everything is going to go bad. Think about that first, and then everything goes good. You're okay.
0: <laughs> so you were saying, like, oh, obviously that worst case scenario is where, like, that one guy attacked you. Yeah. So when he attacked you, y'all were rolling, like, wh- like how did that, how did that, how'd that happen how after that, that?
1: that? I was on the second floor. Uh, I had come up the steps and then this is like a two story home where it's like the three bedrooms upstairs and the hall bath. And there's like a hallway I had down the right. I had cleared the first bedroom. Second bedroom is where I met him. And as I came into the second bedroom, it's that one that has the closet on the right hand side and then the rest of the bedrooms to the left. Right. So the door, the door opened like this and he came bawling out of the closet. So as he came out of the closet, it was more of a like run into me, I didn't really feel anything in his hands or anything. It was like a run into me. He didn't try to grab me. He was just trying to bulldoze through me. And it was with so much force. It just like pushed me across the room and like knocked me on my ass. But then it was like, get up. What's happening? What's like, get up to your feet and see what's going on. He was already going down. So Okay. I'm, I guess okay, so. he
0: didn't like crack grapple you at all. At least yeah. he was like hit and go.
1: It was a hit and run. Like it was it was hit me, get me out of the way and then get out of the house. Fortunately, like it wasn't yeah. like him trying to route that's another thing we talk about is just like, what happened? What do you do? Like defense, cover, cover the operating system and like what's possibly coming. You don't know. Um, And move, like, don't stay in, like don't run at somebody closer, like get push, kick, move, get to the side angles, all that kind of stuff. Um, So
0: I don't know the laws on like concealed carrying when you walk into people's houses, like that, obviously it just seems like, you probably I'm not sure if you can actually do that. So,
1: so you but, can, you can know with a concealed carry, you are not, you can tell somebody you have it right. Yeah. But that's the purpose of concealed carry is that you don't have to tell, you don't have to tell somebody like you have the permission to carry it because you went through the licensing. Um, now here's the part from police and my buddy's telling me what happens. Once you pull that weapon, if your intention was to brandish slash wave, intimidate and, pull and shoot you're in the wrong completely and you are going to jail right you oh, so to-
0: you're saying if you wave or do <laughs> do anything
1: that's considered brandishing a weapon um you cannot do that that's that is not allowed that doesn't matter if you have a concealed weapons permit or not like you can't like ghetto style you can't pull your gun up like what's up bitch!" like eh, shit doesn't happen like you pull that thing out and if it's pulled out it needs to be on its way to use because you were yeah. threatened, your life was in jeopardy, and you were defending yourself, right? Oh, I gotcha. You. So you cannot pull that thing out and try to intimidate people with it. Like if that is found out during the discussion of somebody saying that you guys had this altercation and they hear that part, you're in the wrong. You're completely in the wrong.
0: So is, it, is that the same thing for like your like someone breaks into your house? Is it like like No, people... because
1: then they came into your private property. But uh-huh. it has to be, and that one is, if their back is turned and leaving, you can't shoot them. Ha- the, everything with a hit shot and breach of a house, somebody breaking and trespassing into your home, is a shot in the front, right? But they have to be this direction to They have to be facing you, and you turn away. Even to the side, I think there's a certain amount of percentage of the way they turn. So after getting through, like, an entire talk about how you shot them, and they are like, they were on their way out. Right, or like, um, so I don't know if you heard this joke. Everybody's like, if you shoot him in the back, drag his ass back in and shoot him in the front. <laughs> and I'm like, funny, but not funny. <laughs> um, uh, because like you got to play by the rules, right? But yeah, yeah somebody comes in your house and you are defending your house and your personal space and your possessions, it has to be an aggression and towards you, they have to be coming toward you.
0: Interesting. So we just kind of got way off track. (laughs) But I think it's it's extremely useful.
1: I think too many people don't take the time to talk about safety in these houses because they just tell them to go in homes. Like it's just willy nilly, no big deal. Like I don't, I never understood that. Right. When I talk to women, I talk to realtors, men, everybody's got a plan. I think they can fight until they get fucking punched in the mouth.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's that's Mike Tyson's quit. Everyone's got a plan until they get hit in the face. Totally. Um, I think there's been a couple of issues uh, like, and I'm not sure just specifically at the roads of like people like getting attacked, like going to show a house or something yeah. like that. So it's definitely a real thing and definitely people need to be uh, aware. It's it's very not real. Real. It's I'm very just going to ignore I mean, it because I don't want to uh, think about it kind of mentality, which I've known exactly. a lot of people have. It's like, oh, if I don't think about it, it's, that's, that will not happen to me. It's
1: you like know. the ostrich is in the sand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. But um, so get back to I guess the real estate part. Um, so you did sub sub two. You do wholesale. Is there anything else you do?
1: Um, I've done a little bit of lending lately with the money that we yeah. have. We just started that like uh, about a year, maybe year and a half ago. So we're very picky about who we do it with. believe it's the guys that we sell our deals to because we yeah. can. Um, we've sold them deals multiple times, or we're comfortable with them because we've seen their work. We know the the validity or not the validity, we know the ability that if we need to, we can go get money from them later because of the assets that they own. Um, We've done new construction. I did that probably three years ago and did a few of them and banged them out. Uh, We did a few pop the tops where we took the little 900 square foot houses and went vertical on them and added square foot to them. Um, I jumped in with a, a developer slash builder um, went out in Chesapeake and found like this one area that just had a bunch of parcels and people that owned them um, Teamed up with him. That's pretty cool. I got creative on he actually taught this to me uh, Go give me the lots. I'll pay you X amount of dollars per lot But if I don't pay you all that up front, I can actually pay more and just let me pay you off as I sell them so he actually taught me how to record a second deed of trust as my wholesale fee so if it was I don't know oh, wow. eight lots at eighty you know ten grand each it's eighty thousand dollars, you had another five grand on top of that that's more money. So I recorded that lien position against each house, each parcel. Uh,
0: so where where do you find these paperwork at? Because you said specifically there's a specific subject to uh, paperwork. Do you just find it online? Do you just talk to you know, attorneys, attorneys around here
1: from attorneys. They already have all this paperwork. It's very uh, the norm, right? Yeah. Um, We're not talking about anything that's not brand new. We're not talking about anything that's like cutting edge. I know it's cutting edge of like being expressed to a lot of people in the industry that's new, Yeah, but this has been going on for ever sub two and owner finance has been going on for ages. Um, The paperwork that's used is the same thing. There might be little nuances changed over some different stuff that changed laws maybe, but otherwise all those attorneys have it. It's a plug and play. It literally is a plug and play. Like, gonna change this name to this tax ID to this address to this buyer LLC like it's very standard stuff. So
0: for attorneys, do you use specific attorneys? I've i realized some attorneys don't like understand certain yeah. things. So who's it what attorneys do you use here and what questions can you ask if you're not in this area to make sure that your attorney has any idea what you're trying to do.
1: So I would say get with your local RIA group. That would be the first and foremost, because that's gonna be where you're going to find a lot of the people that you need in your team, right? The attorneys that understand wholesaling, creative financing, go to that RIA group and meet the people there that can point you in the right direction. Don't try to go find it on your own. Yeah. Um, the uh, wholesaler, or this is another one, like I went to uh, Ohio recently. We were in Canton, Ohio to do some deals with a guy what we're doing dispo, they're doing acquisitions. Um, I was like, do you have anybody that you know of? And he's like, no, I'm brand new at it. And I was like, all right, cool. So I went and Googled, saw my home fast cash in Ohio, and then pulled up Canton. And it had like three different ones. So I called him and told him who I was. And I was like, hey, I'm the wholesale out of Virginia. Um, I'm trying to do some deals in your area, but I'm trying to find some attorneys. Maybe I can work with you, but I'm trying to make sure I have the right people. And they were open. They were, cool shit. Like, yeah, call this person, call that person. We got yeah. this title company. We got that attorney. You know, this one's good with that. That one sucks at that. Like they were very going back to networking, right? Networking. And is your network? Is that how it says? Your, net... your
0: network is your net worth. Yeah. Yeah. Something wow. like that. Yeah. So, so what um, attorneys do you use around here? Cause I, I mean, I've, so I've got
1: three that we, we use all the time. Um, Coleman and Coleman is in Virginia beach. We've got Jenny Cologne out in Chesapeake um, and then Hanger Law has recently moved down to Virginia Beach, but they operate in Southside Peninsula and up in Richmond. So okay. those three have done us really well. And here's the other thing I will tell people that are listening to this. Find more than one. Find more than one attorney to do closings because if you put all your eggs in one basket and something goes down, man, are you screwed? Right. Yeah. Um, I've learned this over time and I've learned it from other people now to where we will literally bounce our files. Like, okay, that one's got one, go to the next one. That one's got one, go to the next one. Now rotate back, go to the first guy and we'll just that on all of them. And it's been a game changer for us for, I would say multiple reasons of closing, but just not overwhelming and feeling stuck with just one person that has all of your files. Um, that was another one that I, I highly suggest at least get two when you start, not just one. Find two attorneys. Yeah.
0: I've talked to two that I that know subject two really well, and that's Kaplan and um, yep. Hanger Law is the main yep. two. I
1: have I've, I've started with Kaplan that. when I first got in the game, and he's done really well, and he helped me a shit ton, and he's an awesome dude. He just yeah. got really big really quick,
0: right? <laughs> yeah. um, well, if you know what you're doing. That's, yeah, that's he's a big
1: operation, doing. but I still like that kind of like mom and pop feel. Um, I, I like now that I'm where I'm at in the position I'm in, I like that kind of, uh, we'll take care of you feeling instead of just a number. Yeah. I feel like that kind of what happened over LTEs and he's great. I'm not bashing on LT at all. He's a great company, does great business. And I still would love to work with him. I just know where I'm at and what we want as a company. We still want that little more mom and pop feeling. And I feel like okay. those other attorneys give us that feeling, whether it's on purpose or whether it's not, I don't care. Like that's a personal thing that I wanted the company and my team enjoys it. So I asked the team, like, hey, what's going on? Are we getting issues with certain people? How is transaction yeah. coordinating going down? Are you are you getting pushed off? Or are you getting responses you need? Um, we left certain companies because of that. I'm like, Sean, I'm having to bug the shit out of getting them to get me my file information. What? What do you mean? And they're like explaining. And me go calling I'm like, Sean, we're busy. Okay. Hey, that's what you do. It's business. Like, we shouldn't be hindered. You should be yeah. the same, the same file, get the same
0: treatment. I got you. So, is there any, what questions would you, if someone just trying to do uh, sub two, just learning, they want to make sure the attorney knows what we do? What questions could they, what would they ask to like to make sure attorney? that your attorney knows what I guess they're doing about subject two?
1: To the attorney?
0: Yeah, to the attorney.
1: So, I would ask, um, have they done any subject to transactions in the past ninety days? Meaning, like, are they current with today's information and what today's what's happening, right? Um, can they share the paperwork, whether it's cost or whether that's for free? Yeah. And then can they give me references of the last, maybe two people that they, he could give my information to that. I could talk to and ask questions about them performing for that client. Okay. It's that's be good very advice. direct.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, th- I think that's a great way. I just know everyone here, so it's kind of easier, but in sure. a new market, that'd be extremely hard. You definitely have to get references and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, taking that real talk, you don't know how they know them. And you I'm sure you can probably weed through the bullshit when somebody's like, they're great. They're awesome. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, hey <Right>. about that? <laughs> yeah." Um, I've done that in multiple different. I've been fortunate enough to run a few different. Like I've had Tennessee, Ohio, Florida, Maryland, Texas. I know right off the top know those are like ones that I've done. I don't think I've gone any farther than Midwest. Um, Yeah. But I went and did the same thing that I'm telling you and that I got my best results from it.
0: So one of the main questions I try to ask every real estate investor is what do you think about today's market? Do you see like everything going downhill? I know everyone's – no one's got a crystal ball on what the real estate market looks like. But what's your opinion of what's going on? So I think that
1: if you're in the wholesale position, you need to adjust your LTV. And your ARV needs to adjust down by five yeah. percent of whatever it is today. So, if you run, I did this math yesterday. we I was at a meeting doing the same thing. So, two fifty times five percent. Let's say I'm going to lose twelve five off of that deal, meaning in nine, that that two fifty won't be there because we're going backwards, right? So, two fifty minus twelve. New ARV is two thirty eight. Now I'm going to run my formula from that so 238 um times 65 percent is 154 um and then from there is your minus your uh, rehab and then minus your wholesale fee and then your offer um okay here's the other part about the loan to value number everybody was beaten on this for so long being like it didn't matter you could sell any deal you wanted that was true you could yeah we were selling things at 85 at 90% loan to value. It was unreal, right? Like this is my first ride up. It'll be my first fall down and I'm already pumped to see what we're doing. Right. Like yeah. we're starting to get back to the numbers that I saw when I started, but we're seeing a lot of the people that were overpaying starting to slip away. Right. Like they can't get funded anymore or they spent overspent. Now they can't get the deal sold. Like they don't have the capital. Yeah. Um, but your most of your hard money lenders, even the big ones like Kiavi, Lending One, Lending Tree, whatever the one is at the moment, um, those guys are even at 70%, and you still have to have minimal three deals under your belt in 90 days, and you have to show a profit of more than $25,000 on your on your HUD. You have to show that you're profitable. Um, so they're pretty stringent on theirs. Private money lenders, we're writing at 65. And we're requiring 10% of the purchase price to the table um, versus before it was like, you could just let the whole thing ride and interest would ride until the end of it. That's not happening anymore. You're getting yeah. 10% of purchase. Um, you're paying interest on the way. Yeah. So I would tell anybody that they need to adjust their math. If you're in the wholesale space and then flippers need to adjust their math for down, like we're in a military market and we're, st- we're not even getting hit nearly as hard as some of the big, big boys, oh, yeah. right? I've heard as high as 20% off of ARV that they're running backwards because the market's crashing so hard and not getting what they need, right? Um,
0: so what do you think? Do you think uh, the market's going to like really tank or are we going into like a hardcore recession? Well, I keep saying recession, but is it like actually even here? So we're already in know. a recession. <laughs> technically, we're, yeah,
1: we're, yeah, we're already technically in a recession. Um. I don't know, man. I I try to stay tight to (laughs) this line, but if you stay at your, if you stay at this, you've already reached the top moment, and it's not going to go any higher, great. Do I feel like Chicken Little in the fall sky? Or the sky is falling? No. (laughs) Yeah. Like, um, I think if you adjust your numbers like you're supposed to now, and you pivot better than most people are not doing, and they're like ostrich in the head in the sand, right? They're not paying attention to it. Or they're bitching and complaining instead of adjusting um, then I think everybody be fine because I mean if you look at this is the other thing that I've learned from all my mentors and current lenders is I mean these guys are in their 70s and 80s right and they've been through multiple of these cycles so if they can go from back in the day of the 80s and the 90s at 10 and 12 and we've been babied for the past three to five years between two and four and you got people whining about five six and seven yeah you're in for a rude awakening right like this is coming back to the norm which was just what it wasn't i mean me and my wife and refi our place at like two and a quarter we're like what the fuck? <laughs> I know. free money um yeah. so i think it's just adjusting with the times and you'll be fine but you gotta not be the one that says that you're not going to do that and then expect to be okay yeah. realtors i think are going to get pinched really hard the ones that have had it easy and just put it on MLS and they don't got to do anything. They can go play golf day, and like all that kind of shit. That's gone. You know, that, yeah. that'll wipe those guys out. Um, the ones that want to do the work will stick around. The same thing with the wholesalers. The one that want to do the work and pivot and change will stick around.
0: Okay. I'm so what, would be your best, <laughs> what would be your best piece of advice for someone just starting out? Let's say they're willing to do all the work. What would be your best piece of advice for them just starting out, just learning? What would be your best piece of advice for them?
1: organization and get with somebody that knows what they're doing. Don't try to go do this on your own. One, there's way more information out there than when I started for free. Right. And really good information. You just have to put it to work. Don't be so concerned about not making all the money up front today. When somebody says they want to split it 50 50 and you're worried about that and missing what you're going to learn through going through the experience. That's a very bad mindset. Like it's a really bad mindset to be in. Um, so organization and get with somebody that knows what they're doing and right. provide like when people say like provide value, like do something to help and stop taking, stop being yeah. somebody that's always just taking information and being like give, 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 take, 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 do something to help somebody else out. That's trying to help you. We do this from a coaching platform. We do it from a lending platform. Like we come from a place of service first, do that when you try to go work with somebody and actually give a shit about trying to help them genuinely and you'll get way farther. Too many people are willing to let themselves, um, their morals, their just, their ethics go completely out the, do- the door for a dollar. It's yeah. horrible. You know what I mean? So get, be organized. And if you're not find somebody that is, and then just work with somebody that knows what they're doing You're going to take your learning curve way less way quicker. I, I'd go back and smack my younger self He'd be like, get organized quicker and go find somebody that knows they're doing quicker than I did. Yeah. And go as pay them as much as I could or do as much as I could. If I didn't have the money to go help them reach their goals, which in return is going to help me in more.
0: Yeah. So you're almost like help as many people as you possibly can. Cause that's the way it seems like you uh, succeed. You don't really necessarily focus on the top and the money. Say like, if I help tons of people, this is, this will make me successful.
1: The more people that I help ultimately gets me to the goal. Well, two goals for me. One, it's also what is my passion. My passion is giving back, helping. i love that. I like that feeling. It's also coming from my martial art days, right? You train somebody to fight somebody and then they do something to win that fight slash save themselves. That's cool. Yeah. Cause you get to see that they learned and did something from the business aspect of it, it's the same concept. I'm taking the time to teach somebody to do something in return we all are in a pecking order in our journey, whether you call it, um, real estate, fighting sports. I don't care what it is, right? everybody's has a different point in their life. The way I've set up this model is if I can teach the person how to find a deal, they're eventually going to rehab it. Well, they're going to need yeah. the money right behind. Them. So if I can create this whole group that says that they're going to learn how to do it and they do it the way I showed them, and then they need the money to do the rehab, Well, i'm here for the money as well as showing you how to do all that so i'm creating a life cycle that ultimately gets you where you want to be which is where i want to be eventually which is just lending money i don't want to do the rehabs i don't want to do the day-to-day operation shit i just want somebody to come to me like hey sean I need to borrow 100 grand cool six months here's the term here's the interest rate later again 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 and that's the that's what the life cycle is of investing i think it's really sad to see people I, i wish people understood this but Think if they stop looking down on what wholesaling is and what it does, just because it doesn't fit your exact what you thought model, it's actually more beneficial to learn that first because it teaches you how to find deals, it teaches you how to run comps, it teaches you how to estimate rehab. And if you're finding properties at a deep enough discount to turn around and sell it to somebody and make five, ten, twenty thousand dollars, you have a problem finding your own deals. So I think it's really sad that people want to just skip that and then go straight to rehab and then just get eaten up. Right. Just like their day job. They can't do the work. What happens when a pipe busts at your house and you're at work and you got nobody turning the water off?
0: Yeah. It's
1: a bad day. You're right.
0: Wholesaling does get like a bad rep, bad rep between a lot of people, (laughs) especially realtors realtors, realtors big time. Well, the reason it gets beat on for the realtors and the reason it gets
1: beat on from other people is because, it's so easily said like all you did was get that under contract and then sell it and make your money. Yeah, absolutely wrong. You didn't see all the marketing that went behind it. You didn't see all the systems and processes behind it. You didn't see everything it took to get here where it landed on your plate. And all you had to do was say yes or no. And then you saw the fee and then decided that that's what you thought about it. It, They don't understand the process. And the realtors, I feel like if they took the time to understand, which is what we're working on this year, it's like we're going to do more realtor reach out and try to explain the process and why our numbers are what they are. What I think it's funny is like wholesalers end up knowing more than most realtors in their first year than realtors do business, much less knowledge. Oh, so yeah, I agree. we can transfer that over to you and not make this fighting thing. It kind of like plays on both sides of the field, right? Yeah. The broker doesn't want, to know, want you to know that because then you're not going to make any money off your ass <laughs> because you're just making money off your license, not you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so exactly. if you go out and do this in an LLC, which is not what you registered under his brokerage, then you're still applied by the rules. Right. They don't want you to do that because they're not making cash. So if you understand how to play that fine line, whole new game, whole new game. And I've had multiple brokers tell me, Sean, I have no interest in you coming in and teaching our realtors any of that for that exact same I reason. I mean,
0: you can do it with me. I'll just put it all online and then everyone will know. There you go. It looks like it's uh, oh, out there anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, Let's say for instance like okay you you're pretty you seen pretty high motor like you're you're killing it in all these industries what really keeps you motivated to keep going
1: I like the I like the fun that comes behind it I like the challenge that comes yeah. with it um I am really big on watching when you teach somebody something and watch it succeed That's a big thing. It's a personal thing for me, right? Like take everything away from the money. Yeah. When some the first wholesale deal, we recently just had this happen, and I love every time because they're like goosebumps. I actually get goosebumps talking about it. (laughs) When you get you teach somebody something to do, and I'm not getting biblical, but you teach somebody how to fish instead of giving them a fish, and then they can constantly go do it, right? So I don't know why, but there's this thing inside of me that is just it's a super satisfying thing to watch somebody go from nothing to this drastic jump on this one income piece that like his last guy made $15,000 in like 90 days, that is changing his trajectory of where he's going. Right. Oh yeah. And him as a person's changed. His confidence levels change, his personal life changed, his relationship with his family's changed, like all this kind of stuff. Right. So I think that for me is like, it's a thing. I don't know how to describe it. I just know that every time I do, yeah. it's like, it's almost like a, um, where i'm looking for it's a personal greedy thing that i like to get like i love (laughs) to watch and feel when somebody takes the information you give them and they get it and it works you're like "Ah, "Fuck yeah that's awesome (laughs) so i think that what gives me the drive um and then of course i just want to be done here shortly to where i'll still do that but you don't have to do it Uh and then me and my wife can be good to go right if we want to work we can if we don't we don't i mean think people another thing is like life's short and I hate to sound morbid but like goddamn you don't wake up every oh, yeah. day and feel like why did you wake up versus that person didn't or just you take it for granted right and that you're healthy and that you're happy and you have a roof over your head or whatever it is that you can be thankful for and stop bitching right like yeah. woke up today <laughs> not everything's gonna be fucking roses I get it but I think that's the drive it watching other people see that you can teach and show and then just rolling on your own and enjoying life. I mean, you're got you you're only here once, man. One yeah, I think time. about
0: that actually all the time. That's like, it's kind of like you said, Morbin. I really think about like the end all the time. It's like, you can't buy back time. It's like, when the, when's that day? If you do the math, I'm like, okay, what well, the life expectancy is like 70 something. The yeah. math between me and I'm 30, it's really not that much time. No. So I'm not going to maximize every, every yeah. moment. Dude, so what really like- keeps you... Like, getting up every day and grinding, like, what habits do you do that can really, like, get you up every single day? I know you do uh, jiu-jitsu. Is that what you wake up early in the morning and just do that? Or No. So, my get up in the morning, I'm not
1: really a big early riser. I've tried to do that, and I really suck at it. Um, <laughs> I do. I really suck at it. <laughs> like, I get comfortable laying with my dog. Like but yeah. then it's not past, like, 7, 7.30ish. I'm not up at, like, 4 or 5 o'clock. Um, yeah but I'm up at 7, I can get up, I can hang out with my wife or and then I can have my coffee and then I'm usually reading a book, listening to an odd audio or something. That that's a thing I've got continuously happening. Um and then your day gets going, right? You're up and rolling at 9. Depends on if it's summertime. If it's summertime, I'm trying to get down early in the morning to go down and ride like sun, sunrise sessions, do a little longboard in the morning, a little relaxing in the water and then like start yeah. your day, right? Um wintertime a little different you know i'm not a big cold person but um my wife likes to sit outside and i'll sit inside and have my coffee and i'll relax and i'll try to watch a few things um and then the rest of it's through the day right uh stopping eating lunch uh taking the dogs for a walk again depends time of the year maybe we'll take the dogs out of the beach maybe we'll go to the bay um and jujitsu that's that is a must that is my turnoff time. You and I were kind of talking much before. It's my turn off time. My yeah. head, when you walk in that gym, this phone goes down on that desk, and I don't touch it except for if we're playing music and I'm on the music. Like, that's the only time I touch it. I don't do work on it. I Maybe I'm recording things, but I just get in the moment. And there was a um, there's a, a gif or a meme or whatever, and it's cool as shit. There's these, it's this guy where he's, like, walking on the mat, And he got all this sound all around him right he's got like a bunch of noise and he turns around and does the slap bump you know get ready to the fight and everything goes quiet and you're like yes that is exactly how i feel as soon as you get ready to get on the mat and you get ready to start a fight with somebody everything goes on my head i don't listen to anything i don't focus on anything except for what's in front of me um and i've learned that if i don't have that kind of like you were talking about before like you just have one of those days you're gonna get to train man I'm naturally an angry person. I've got I've got to have
0: an outlet. <laughs> naturally kind of aggressive. That's kind of like,
1: yeah. You know. I'm, I'm naturally an angry, I guess you say aggressive person, but you get that out and people don't understand that until they do wow. it. And it's awesome. And I feel like people
0: need that. People need oh. something like the kids in shape, something that like works them yeah. to death, like can, kind of keeps them going, almost kind of humble them in the same aspect.
1: Hell yeah. Like Whether it's surfing, whether it's jujitsu, whatever it is for that person, they find their thing. Just find your thing. I mean, some people are just painting. Whatever it is, it's your thing. You've got to take the time to do it because, man, this shit will grind you down. Like, I think two years ago, I woke up in the middle of the night and had like a panic attack because it was just like a bad month. And I was just like, oh, my God. And it was just one of those times, right? I was like, I'd never felt that before. I was like, I don't ever want to feel this again, ever. Like, this is horrible. And that I remember that week. I hadn't trained. I hadn't taken a break. I had just—I was just go, go, go—and I just didn't turn it off. And it was the worst thing I could ever do. I was like, I will never do that again. So I think if people yeah. can find their their outlet, I don't care what it is. Not everybody's meant to fight. Not everybody's meant to paint. You know, like yeah. one drastic to the next. I don't care. Find your thing. Force the time to happen and make it happen.
0: I feel like you need that almost for like like a, almost even the mental health aspect. Like you need something like the kind of like you can step away from absolutely everything like either it's crossfit gym fighting anything just like it's just you and you and you and you just can't forget about pretty much all about life yeah so i think that's definitely a big key too if people can
1: remember that as far as like getting in the industry like you said before like being organized find somebody to work with that's already taken the hard road and you're gonna learn from their mistakes and then I hate the word, using like life balance, but it's really hard to do, right? When you're an entrepreneur, oh yeah, it's very lonely. It's very, even though you have a team, it's solo because everybody's kind of looking to you. You can change that. You can build a team based off of your core values. You can build people that you want to work with, right? And if they don't embody the same core values, you need to have some to begin with. And if you hire, you need to yeah. hire off of that. Because if you don't, you're just letting poison in your well. And that's just going to run over into the rest of your life, right? That happen multiple times. Yeah. So I, I skirted, or I decided not to listen to my own rules, and I said I'd try something. And every time I did it, it bit me in the ass. And my wife and I have those talks all the time. Like, should have done that, right? I fucking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I know done. I've taken a lot of your time, but I know. So for like even the leadership aspect, you leading people, how do you, like, like a lot of people are scared of do, scared to do that. They say, "Hey, I don't want to hire anything." It's like responsibility. It's like, how do you? like almost get past that and just like believe in yourself.
1: How do you feel like that's a,
0: that's a lot of people nowadays. It's like, they're afraid to take that step because maybe they don't believe in themselves or believe they can do it.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a deeper without getting to like hippie holistic sounding kind of like (laughs) weird. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You've got to like look inside yourself and realize like maybe there's some internal things you need to adjust of why you're scared to do this. Um, Why is there something in your past that may, I don't know. I, I I could say things you could get deep rooted in like, Oh, you got raised like this or your dad was that, or your mom was this. And like, I can blame them. Well, you can only do that for so long. And then you got to turn that shit off and take ownership of it. Right. So I would say if people have that feeling, they got to look a little side themselves. They got to, they got to pay attention to what's in front of you and causing you to not do it everybody's scared of something, but there's something from your past that caused that. Um, yeah. I get, I, I take a lot of things personal, right? Like information and they don't use it or they don't do it. And I'm like, what yeah. are you fucking stupid? Like, why would you not? Like, I don't understand it. So now like, <laughs> why why are you not doing this? Right. And me, my wife will tell me, she's like, Sean, why are you taking it so personal? Just relax. You gave it to them, They don't oh, use it. So what? And I'm like, but That's- why would you not, you know, like that kind of thing. So, yeah.
0: I do that too. I'm like low-key petty. Like I tell someone this and they ask for it. And I was like, hey, like, and then they do something completely opposite and it turns out really bad. I'm like, why'd you ask? I was like, what are you talking about? You just asked. Yeah. So, so I think so it's, I, little, I'm petty. I kinda, it's my, one of my issues. I'm like low-key petty about things. I'm yeah. like, I'm "Like, come on. But
1: recognize um, it. It's good, right? You recognize <laughs> it. So you know it. Now you're just going to stop it. So I would tell people if they don't want to take the leap of faith, there's something behind them that's, maybe it's fancy do it or they're gonna fail um yeah. there's friends that are they really your friends if they're not trying to back you or they're not willing to like say hey take the leap and shit might fall apart but what if it doesn't yeah like, it could blow up so i think it's probably more internal something they need to think about and like really address otherwise worst case is you jump and it doesn't open you hit yeah. the floor and like you start with something else
0: hey at least you failed and it'll be it'd be a good story
1: fail forward I, I tell guys yeah. that all the time at the gym and I tell them in this business, if you're going to fail, at least fail falling forward, don't fall backwards. Fall forward into something and like, if you fuck it up, so what? Then you have the ability to fall down, get up, and try again. And that's inside of you, back to the whole, leg like, internal thing. What's the worst case? You got jacked up, dust off, pick shit up, roll. Like, get it done. Yeah.
0: You know, I was going to ask you for last piece of advice, but, I mean, that's, that's pretty good last piece, piece of advice right there. So...
1: But um, yourself, I know I took up. I know I'm taking
0: a lot of your time, but I really appreciate you coming on the show. And I, yeah. I know we went from like, from like a wholesale to sub two to yeah. fighting to life. But I love it. That was it was great. Awesome. But man. I appreciate you coming on coming on our show and sharing our uh, your knowledge with our audience.